What's up? What's up? What is up, everyone? It is your girl, Teddy Renee, and I am back with season four of the Queen Conversations podcast. Yes, we are in season four. And in Teddy Renee-like fashion, season three ended abruptly yet again. So we are back with our traditional episode one for the season, The Update. Um, And it's a lot, guys. A lot has happened since the last time we have uh, communed with each other and had this wonderful Queen's conversation. And I'm going to try to keep it short, but it is a lot. Like, so the last episode for this show was what? Um, May, April of 2020. And so much in my life, so much in this country, so much in this world has taken place. And man, I don't even know. Like, (laughs) I don't even know where to start. So season three ended because there was so much going on in the world when it comes to the racial injustices of, you know, against black bodies and black people, specifically police brutality and murders at the hands of police officers who are sworn to protect and serve us, right? Same shit, different day. So, um, you know, we were just coming off of the Ahmaud Arbery um, case and learning of all of that information in February. Um, Breonna Taylor happened back in March and we were just coming off of the outrage of Ahmaud Arbery and found ourselves kind of coasting a little bit into May, you know? I remember kind of enjoying Memorial Day weekend and I had just recorded um, an episode of the podcast with um, uh, Zakira Muhammad, who is an author and a mindset coach and also the host of Living Legacy Podcast. And I, you know, I was like, yeah, I'm going to edit the podcast and release it um, right after Memorial Day. And then (sighs) Memorial Day came and went and I woke up and I was, you know, ready to go. And I had my plan and I was like, yeah, you know, things have been kind of rough this year. We're going to push through and kind of, you know, do what we got to do and woke up to the news of, and the video of George Floyd being murdered. (laughs) Um, And it just put me in, man, it put me in like the worst headspace. And I'm sure a lot of people listening to this have had similar feelings, but it was just like, you know, I'm just, I just can't. At this point, I am, I'm checking out I'm not doing anything that is not required for my survival. Um, Unfortunately, the podcast kind of got pushed to the wayside. And, you know, here we are now. (laughs) Um, It's November 9th, 2020 now. That was what, May 25th, 26th. And I'm just now getting to a space where I can breathe. And I feel like I've done the majority of the things that I needed to do for myself for my family. I've made adjustments. I've come to terms with some things and some people and some relationships. And I am in a space where I have had to ask myself and I continue to ask myself, are you ready? Like, here you are saying that you want all of these things, 
saying that you're going to make, you know, you're setting all of these goals, you're making all of these plans, but are you ready? Like, are you truly ready for this next phase or stage of your life? Or are you just talking shit because it sounds good? Because at the end of the day, if I am not completely ready, it is not going to happen. So season four of the Queen Conversations podcast will carry the theme of, are you ready? Because a lot of times we convince ourselves that we're ready when we are still considering. We tell ourselves that we are ready when we are frustrated, but not completely at wit's end of our current situation. Um, We convince ourselves that we are ready for something just because either, you know, we feel like it's time or we've wasted enough time or, you know, just, you know, it's something we should do. So I find myself asking myself almost every day, multiple times a day, are you ready? And if the answer is not an immediate and uh, resounding, yes, I am ready, I do not force myself or feel obligated to do anything. Because again, you are not going to get the best version of me or the maximum value of me if I am not ready. I refuse to be rushed through my life. I refuse to be pushed through my goals. And I am taking my time. You know, my goal for the rest of this year and the rest of my life is peace at my own pace. So, you know, that's probably sounds really weird and maybe a little fucked up in this time where everything's supposed to be so fast and so super speedy. You're supposed to scale quickly and make money fast and grow, grow, grow and go, go, go. But I'm just not about that life. I don't want to be about that life. So what I am doing is making sure that I am intentional about the things that I am committing to, that I am committed to my plans and my goals, and that I follow through. I have made several attempts to employ accountability partners or um, you know, personal trainers and um people to help make food plans for me. And it's just, you know, what I have found from that is that if I am not accountable to and for myself, it doesn't matter how much I pay someone to do things or to check in on me. Because at the end of the day, we are all human. And with humanity comes a bit of selfishness. And even when you are paying someone to help you with your pain points, if they are not in a position to give you the type of attention and the type of like detailed, intimate uh, focus that you require or that I require, because that's what I do, especially when it comes to working out and eating right sometimes, then it's not going to do any good. It's just going to be a waste of money for me and an increase of money for them. You know, And at the end of the day, whether I'm served properly or not, unfortunately, and I say that anyone has done this intentionally or, or calling anyone out, but if I am served or not properly, they're still going to get their money, <laughs> you know? And that's just money out of my pocket, which is money out of my household, money out of my businesses, money out of my future. And I'm just not about that. So I have recommitted to committing to myself and that's just where I am, you know? So 
at some point, I feel like the way these seasons are going, I am going to have an entire season full of the lost episodes of the Queen Conversations podcast, because I still have, I think, two from season two, actually, potentially one from season one, and now one episode from season three that never got published, never got posted. And I completely apologize to my guests. It literally is like, there's, it's always something. And that's just the story of my life. It's always something. Something always comes. And, you know, I just reach a point where it's just like, all right, it's that time. Let's go shut down. And I don't know if it's something I learned as a child or if it's something, you know, if you believe in zodiacs and, and the influence of the stars, if it's a Scorpio thing, or if I just have come to a space and place or have always had this space and place of self-care where I knew when it was time to shut down before I spazzed out. So that is where we are. Yeah, it's been wild, y'all. And that's not even the half. <laughs> All right, so that's just the intro for today. Um, this We're going to have a really good episode. I'm just going to catch you guys up. I'm sure, unless you are living under a rock, you have heard about a lot of the things that are going on, especially if you're a part of Black Twitter. But um, yeah, let's get into that in the next segment. All right. All right. So let's talk about what's really been going on around here. And we are going to start with, um, we're going to start from the most recent. Okay. And like I said, today is November 9th. So one of the most recent, one of the biggest, one of the most notable things that has happened so far this year since we last had an, an episode of the Queen Conversations podcast was this, um, I don't even want to call it a shit show of an election because one, it's not officially over. It's been called preliminary, uh, the preliminary winners have been announced. However, um, as we know, the <laughs> presiding officer of the United States currently, um, he's not or has not shown to be the most reasonable <laughs> person when it comes to accepting reality. And um, President Trump is trying to find ways to basically overturn, overrule, and just complain and just refuse to accept the election results. And those results are that uh, former Vice President Joe Biden and um, Senator Kamala Harris have been elected by not only majority vote, but electoral college votes to be our next president and vice president of the United States. Now, Joe Biden is an amazing man um, from my experience with him as vice president and just following his career from the point that I have. Um, I don't know a lot about his history. I try to give people the same grace that I would like for myself, knowing that in a short amount of time or relatively short amount of time, I have changed as a person. So I try not to hold people to their flaws or faults of their past if they are showing consistency in and showing up as their new or better or improved and evolved selves consistently. So that is the case for Joe Biden. For anyone who's like, oh, well, he did this and he did that. And I'm like, yeah, well, you know, 
I'm pretty sure I've done some things that a lot of people would probably disown me and stop talking to me about, but I'm no longer that person. So I just try to give that same grace. But also, you know, we're talking about the the lesser of two evils here. Like, which would you prefer? And not saying I'm not saying it's the lesser of two evils, but that's what a lot of people say. Like, either way, either candidate, nothing's really going to change. Um, but I do believe that we have made a significant um, move towards better by electing uh, former Vice President Joe Biden and Kamala Harris because what we had before was just not cutting it. And I mean, that's it, period. Um, worst case scenario, we get exactly the same thing and I would still be okay with the decision moving forward because I would. Um, but this historical election has given us our first Black our first woman, excuse me, our first Indian, uh, our first South Asian, our first HBCU graduate, our first mixed race, our first, um, you know, a Black Greek letter organization member, uh, vice president elect of the United States of America. And I, for one, again, back to, you know, same thing I was saying about Joe Biden, like to those who are holding on to the past, like, yes, past does play a role in your decisions of today. But from the research that I have done, it seems that the path to the future um, is kind of, you know, it's not quite what the masses or those who like to downplay or be a, a little bit more negative about Kamala Harris's history as a prosecutor and all of those things, um, it does not appear to me that <clears throat> that is the same path that we are moving forward on with her as vice president and even in you know more recent years in, in the Senate. So I support her. I am behind her all the way. I would not be mad at this point, you know, barring some major flip-flop, uh, you know. Um, but I would not be mad if in four years she were to run again for president. And I think that if she did, depending on what happens in the next four years, that she would have, you know, basically be set up for it. It's if she does well by us, if they do good by us, I don't see why we can't have our first female, our first black woman <laughs> president. But let me not get ahead of myself. They aren't even, haven't had inauguration yet. We still have uh, 45 in office. So, but yes, but I am very proud to be a black woman. I am very proud to be an HBCU graduate. I am very proud to be a member of the Divine Nine. And just, it's just that proximity to greatness. It's like, representation absolutely matters at any age. Like here I am at the big age of 36 and I'm just like fangirling over the next VP because she is so close to who I am. She is close to me. Like being an, uh, an alumna um, of Howard University, you know, and just knowing like how I used to hang out out there and, you know, go to Yard Fest or, attending step shows or just going to, you know, the bookstore looking for <laughs> Nelia, like just being in the proximity or having similarities and commonalities to her and just seeing what she's achieved absolutely lets me know that 
anything that I would like to do, anything that I aspire to is absolutely possible. Like black dreams really do matter all the way to the White House. And that's amazing. And it's just, it's, it's just an amazing feeling. I'm so proud. I'm so happy. I'm also cautiously optimistic because I do know that there is a lot more work to do. Like I said, I think we've taken a great step towards better. Um, but while we are celebrating, we must not forget to continue to fight and to hold those accountable whom we have placed our trust in. So I would be doing my part to make sure that I am more engaged in politics and what is happening and how my voice is being shared behind those doors that, you know, we've elected members to be behind. So that's that. But congratulations to the president and vice president-elect Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. And I am excited. I would like to, I'm really excited to see how we recover from what has been the United States of America for the last four or five years. Um, what else is happening? Oh, so virtual learning. It's now like a full-time thing for the kids. So Billy and Xavier are home with me every day. They have live instruction Mondays, Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. And until last week when uh, coronavirus cases started to re- emerge and increase again here in Maryland, um, in PG County. And I'm not even sure about Charles County, but in the state of Maryland, um, Charles County was preparing to move into phase two of the reopening plan today, November 9th, but retracted that and decided to stay or remain in phase one and revisit that decision again in January um, and they made that decision late last week. So I think it was the the right call, the right decision based on everything that is happening, cases going up, people getting more comfortable with being out without the precautions that we were put into place previously. And it's showing that when we are kind of slumming on the precautions, then the cases are on the rise. So that's that. <laughs> so virtual learning is happening in this household. Um, how's it going? It's not, we're, we're doing far better than a lot of other people. I will definitely say it's difficult for me to figure out to what extent I need to be involved in their daily lessons, because to an extent, I still want my children to understand self-control and, you know, the proper protocols of the classroom even though they're at home. And I know that it's a little different, but I don't want to have to keep running into the office every five minutes, checking on B, like sit still, stop sitting around in the chair, pay attention to the teacher, sit up. Like to an extent, like I understand the teachers don't have control as much control as they would in the classroom, but the expectation is still there that students will get to a point where they can, um, you know, learn equivalent to what would be in the classroom, discipline, self-discipline and control their body to stay focused for the time period that's required. And then when, you know, when it's not required to get up and be a little more free, free with their movements, especially for a first grader, it's hard. And I just don't see a point in stressing me out and stressing her out, trying to get her to sit still for three hours at a time. Like that's just, it's, it's not reasonable. 
Um, however, um, we are working on it. She does understand that she should, you know, sit up when the teacher gives her breaks to actually take advantage of those breaks and not just sit there in front of the screen. If the teacher says it's time to go to the bathroom, even if you don't have to go to the bathroom, get up, walk around. You know, if you want to walk downstairs, do that. If you want to do some jumping jacks or grab your jump rope or, you know, whatever for the equivalent amount of time it would take you to use the bathroom, like that is more than acceptable. And then go back to class and finish whatever lesson you have. Um, also, when they're doing like rotating reading or math lessons between the different groups, um, the time for which she is in the breakout rooms, I allow her to roam the house. But the kicker is she has to remember to keep checking in on the class or to keep her headphones on so she can hear when her teacher comes back um, to the breakout room and is ready to work with her so that she's not missing in action while her the rest of her group is um, doing their lesson. So that's a challenge. Um, another challenge is a personal challenge for me is adding in to my daily routine, um, checking two student accounts to ensure that they are submitting their work and completing their work every single day. Um, I think now that we are in second quarter, some teachers have, um, pretty much they understand how unreasonable that is every single day to have parents go in there and check, especially for those of us with multiple kids and those of us who have full-time jobs that we're already juggling while the kids are home. And then also those of us who also have businesses. So um, once or twice a week now, we've kind of gotten to the flow of what days things will be due for what classes, uploading it, just make sure the kids get graded and get credit for the work that they are doing. So that's the task that I've been placed with. And I'm getting better. <laughs> um, you know, it's one thing to grade a, a student or a child on their ability to be responsible and turn in their work. It's another to put that responsibility on parents um, as additional responsibility uh, to those of which a parent has. So, you know, I'm just the teacher for so far, the teachers have been pretty reasonable and understanding. And I'm like, you know, I absolutely forgot. Like, could you just take their work? And I get that they don't want to do it all the time um, and that it does inconvenience them. But I promise you, I try my best to get the kids working, especially Billy's because she's six. Um, but I do prom I, I do try my best to get their stuff in. But I mean, you know, extend some grace. I'm absolutely not going to be perfect. It's not going to happen like at all. <laughs> it's not going to happen. I'm, I'm doing my best, but it's not going to happen. It is give me a day at the end of the quarter or right before midterms. Um, you know, interim grades, let me know. I'll get it all in there. But every single day, nah, bro, that's, that's not happening. I'm just, there's just too much for me to do. Um, in addition to that, like keeping the kids from fighting in the hallway on class camera, like true story, okay? Teacher emails me and is like, yeah, so, you know, B was in the hall, was fighting in the hallway with her brother. Like, really? In the middle of class? Yeah, in the class, classmates saw it. Why are you bothering her? He's like, oh, I thought she was out of class because she wasn't in her class, because she wasn't in her, in her chair. It's just like, oh, Jesus, like, come on. <laughs> like, I know you're bored, but come on. Just come on, man. Bear with me. But yeah, I just, it's, it's, this is an interesting year. But virtual learning, like I said, with all of that being said, it, we still, are not doing as bad or worse than others. So I am grateful. <laughs> um, what else is happening? So last month I moderated the 
uh, diversity and inclusion panel at Pew Tech Summit. So much fun. Uh, I would love to do more of that. And I would love to go back next year. Hopefully everything will be in person. Um, lots of fun. This weekend, I'm actually uh, speaking on a panel again for Afros and Audios podcasting um, summit and uh, podcasting conference this weekend. Guys, please come join me, afrosandaudios.com. Get your tickets. It's going to be fun. Um, I had so much fun last year and I met so many new resources and expanded my podcasting network and, you know, people that I still speak to today and still follow and who have been guiding shining lights just in life, not even just in podcasting, just really amazing people who committed to putting their voices out into the world and doing so consistently. Like they motivate me so much. And I really, really am sad that we're not you know, meeting back up in person this year. However, I am absolutely looking forward to it this weekend. Um, what else am I doing? Um, so Shelly Bell and Black Girl Ventures Incubator, they were, what was that? Um, sorry. They were giving away tickets to Afro Tech World within the uh, Mighty Networks community. And I was fortunate enough to get one for this week of events. So I am currently um, on PTO. My birthday was yesterday, so I took five days a week off uh, from last Wednesday. I go back this Wednesday. Um, so today and tomorrow, I have I will be um, doing the Afrotech World Summit. Um, I'm going to do my best to join and actually pay attention to the classes on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. But I am returning back to work on Wednesday, and I already know my workload is going to be insane. Um, just because I know where I left things and what the next steps were. And if things were done to, the, you know, at the pace which I expect that they were, um, I'm going to come back to a lot of work. So it's going to be difficult to pay attention to the sessions, but I will be in my office, um, laptop up, computer on, and just, you know, doing the best to just collect all the gems and all the nuggets and all of the information um, I don't know if you guys remember, but last year I said that I was definitely going to go to Afrotech this year because it's around my birthday. And that's something that I feel like I would just get so much for, uh, information from and so much benefit and value out of. And then COVID hit and I was like, well, fuck, um, <laughs> I'm going to go now, like whatever. And then I, was, again, was fortunate enough to get a ticket. So here I am, you know, speaking things into existence, even though they may look different than we expected. Still made that happen. So grateful for that. Going to definitely take advantage of that the best that I can. Um, what else? Oh my God. So today, two things happened. Well, I think one happened yesterday and one happened today, right? So we are talking about um the elections, right? And politics and just the crap show that got us to our you know, for those of us who did vote for Biden and Harris, like the crap show that got us our results, right? And beloved, beloved Eva Longoria, for whatever reason, decides to speak of Latino women as the victors, as the, you know, the superheroes of the election. And 
her wording, what she says was that she worded it wrong. She was not comparing Latino women to black women and she, nor did she, was she trying to discredit black women and what we have done for the election and how significant us showing up at the polls in the way that we did was for this victory. And y'all already know, black Twitter is just eating her alive right now because this is a conversation that I feel like we have over and over again in many, many languages, just throughout the course of, not even just like the year, but every day I feel like black women are always on the low being attacked, right? We can't never just do us and be the greatness that is us without somebody having some shit to say. Like just, you know, you don't have to speak on us if you're speaking about Latino women, speak about Latino women. If you wanna speak about Latino men and compare them with Latino women and how they showed up, then do that. But black women should not come out of your mouth if that was your intent. If that is the conversation you were having or the direction in which you were steering that conversation, why mention black women at all? If the conversation was not about black women, then we shouldn't be in the conversation. And that's it. And I think that a lot of people I don't know. I just feel like a lot of people just don't know how to shut the hell up. You know, like I and I I will admit there are times when I don't know when to shut the hell up. And I might have dragged conversations out unnecessarily or I may have said things and set off triggers, but I have learned not just from the mistakes of myself of misspeaking, but from the misspoken words of other people, you know, because I am not trying to be in that position with people. Um or I recognize where the issue was to a point where I can, I think I do a pretty good job of filtering myself. I know. For anyone who knows me for real, <laughs> Teddy and filter together in a sentence in regards to what comes out of my mouth, unheard of, right? But that's just a part of my personal evolution. But I just don't understand why people think that Black women need them to speak for us or about us. If you are not standing with us, if you are not speaking only our praises, shut the fuck up and get out of our way. You either stand with us or stand aside and get out of the way. End of, end of story. And I am just very fed up and sick of people always telling black women how we should act, who we should date, what we should look like, what we should wear, what we should value, who we should support, and then turn around and shit on us even when we are the ones doing all of the backbreaking labor in almost every industry, trendsetters, leaders of industry, and still are treated less, are paid less, are valued less, are supported less, are protected less. I'm sick of it. And what people fail to realize is that Black women are more than capable of protecting ourselves, of supporting ourselves and promoting ourselves. We just have such big fucking hearts that we want to help everyone else too. So I have made it my personal goal not to deter anyone from helping other people, but to mind my own business and to stay in my own lane. And my lane is the lane of the Black woman, period. Okay? So um, with that being said, some additional news for those of you who do not know. United Kingdom is now The Collective. Yes, The Collective. C-O-L-L-E-K-T-I-V dot co. Um, and if you guys you know don't know, The Collective is Black woman-centered. What does that mean? That means that everything we do, everything we say, all of our resources, all of our tools, all of our tips, guidance, advice, speakers, experts, consultants, coaches are black woman centered. We are addressing the specific needs, the specific challenges, the specific 
uh, desires of black women by providing resources that speak to them, that help them, that aim to enhance their quality of life specifically. Does that mean that we are exclusive to black women? Absolutely not. We currently have one member who is a male and we have members who are uh, mixed race. We have members who are white uh, women and we help them all. How can we do that if we are black woman centered? Well, that's easy because we are addressing the issues of one of the most marginalized communities within um, you know, this country. And by helping a community or a demographic that is given so little, when you provide resources to fill in those gaps, everyone can benefit from those resources. Um, I say this all the time that I think that the only person that is less protected, less respected, less loved, less supported, less um, you know provided for than the black woman is the black trans woman, and you know we absolutely can help, will help with whatever resources they need as well, um, if they do choose so to utilize them. Um, so that is what we mean by we are black woman centered. So everything we do revolves around the black woman, but that does not mean that it cannot benefit anyone who chooses to. White men can use our resources and find success and achieve their goals. So that is what it is. But like I said, I have a very specific and intentional goal to help black women because so many people have a very specific and intentional goal not to. And I am just tired of getting scraps. Black women achieve so much. We do so much with the little bit that we are given. It's like, imagine if we were properly supported. Imagine if we were properly funded. Imagine if somebody gave a, a, a billion <laughs> Black women a dollar of the money that was given to Quibi. Hello, don't even get me started on that. Imagine how we would stretch that dollar and make tens of dollars. Some people would make hundreds. Some would make thousands off of that. Some people have made hundreds, some black women have made hundreds of thousands of dollars on nothing. Imagine what we could do with more. So my entire goal in life is to help black women get paid, period. Whether you want to get paid through a career, whether you want to get paid through business, whether you want to get paid through, um, you know, a quote, standing up a corporation or a combination, like it doesn't matter, pay black women, right? So I am in the process of launching the pay black women campaign because what I have noticed over the last couple of years is that the black woman equal pay day um, is not moving, right? So let me say, the whole goal of that awareness campaign of Black Women Equal Pay is to get that day to be as close to December 31st of the previous year, right? Black Women Equal Pay Day is the day, the last day that a Black woman would have to work to make the same salary for the previous year as her white male counterpart, right? Um, so in theory, if we are you know, doing the work and finding success every day, that day should get closer and closer to December 31st, right? Right. So August 22nd was the day 
for 2020. For 2019, it was August 13th. Hmm. How is that so? For 2018, and I'm just Googling this, it was August 22nd. So either someone is not doing the calculations so that we are monitoring and seeing if these days are actually getting closer and closer to December 1st, or we're actually being pushed back because in 2017, it was August 7th. So we've gone from August 7th to August 22nd to what was it in 2019 again, August 13th, and then back to August 22nd. So essentially what you're saying is that we are still flip-flopping and pushing and pulling and Black women still aren't getting paid any closer to December 31st the same amount as our white counterparts. Nah, bruh, that's not it. So I um, have charged myself with taking this awareness to another level. The goal is to move that date out of August to December 31st, the previous year. So for a Black woman equal payday 2021, that should be December 31st of this year, right? Y'all get it? I need y'all help though. I, of course, being the t-shirtpreneur that I am, am launching, have launched the Pay Black Woman t-shirt to help with this these efforts because I want to, one, highlight stories of Black women in industry, in every industry, um, and their stories of not getting the compensation that they deserve or getting less compensation than their male counter- counterparts or their white counterparts or their counterparts of other um, ethnicities and races because that is the type of information that kind of helps to stir people's emotions. And when we get emotional, then we take action, right? But also um, to help fund some of the resources that I want to bring into the collective to help women to increase their income, to you know increase their wealth, and to maintain an actual um, uh, um, um, like value, like you know. <laughs> their net worth, right? A lot of us have negative net worth and don't even understand how or why. But, you know, everyone nowadays, it seems like generational wealth. Generational wealth is just something that people have been throwing around for a couple of years. Yet a lot of us still lack the resources, the consistency, the adequate knowledge, know-how and implementation to make that happen. And a big part of that is the fact that we are not getting paid what we want. We don't approach our careers the same way as our white counterparts. We don't approach our resumes the same way. We don't even approach the job hunting or job searching process the same way. Um, And that's just real. So pay black women. I'm going to give you guys a little more information on that coming up. Hey guys, it's Teddy Renee, and I was just coming to give you some information on the Pay Black Women campaign. Pay Black Women is a campaign that I'm launching this year in hopes of bringing more awareness to the Black women pay disparity. Yes, the wage gap. Some of you may or may not have heard of Black Women Equal Pay Day, which for the last few years has happened in August. This day signifies the number of days or the last day that a black woman would have to work in order to make the same amount of money as her male counterpart. Here's the kicker, not for the current year, but for the previous year. What does that mean? In 2020, 
Black Woman Equal Pay Day was on August 22nd. That means that if Bob, a white male, worked from January 1st until December 31st of 2019, in order for Tina, the black woman, to make the same amount of money that Bob made, she would have to work from January 1st of 2019 all the way until August 22nd of 2020. That is a whole additional eight months. That's ridiculous. Black Women Equal Pay Day is supposed to become closer and closer to December 31st. But from what I have seen, the week leading up to Black Women Equal Pay Day and the week following is the extent to which the majority of people actually care about the Black woman wage disparity. So Pay Black Women is a t-shirt campaign for us to bring awareness to this wage disparity by purchasing the official Pay Black Women t-shirt or hoodie, you are helping the collective to sponsor a Black woman, to sponsor resources for her, to sponsor personal coaches, to help her with financial plans, business mapping and outlines, and anything else that she could use in her life. Because the collective connects Black women with coaches, experts, and consultants to help them address their unique combination of life's challenges. Those life challenges could be the difference between making ends meet, making them overlap, and making it rain. Sorry, guys, I had to. <laughs> so please support Pay Black Women campaign by going to payblackwomen.shop and purchasing your official Pay Black Woman t-shirt today. Thanks, guys. So while we're talking about um, Eva Longoria and her, you know, video mishap and misspeaking of the black woman and all of those things today, let me talk about my girl Kiki Palmer, right? Now, I love me some Kiki, okay? A killer to be, boo, you my boo. However, I am noticing a lot of similar patterns when it comes to my successful Black folks and their proximity to poorness and their proximity to where they started or, you know, where a lot of us started and where they are now. Like that uh, pocket privilege, the privilege of having funds really, really makes people very, I don't know. I don't know. Like, is it, is it, I don't want to say, is it crack? Um, <laughs> I mean, you know, is it, like, what is it? How how can you be so far removed based on your, you know, I'm not even going to ask that question. I know the answer. But anyway, what did Kiki Palmer do? Let me pull up this tweet because I don't want to misquote her and make this worse or better than it actually was. But I woke up this morning to Kiki getting dragged, okay? Drag, dragged. Because what she said was, um, <laughs> uh, imagine, what did she say? I'm trying to, I'm really trying to find the exact words. She said something to the effect of, imagine if the EBT card only allowed you to purchase healthy stuff, healthy food, right? And, you know, I get what her intentions were. I get where she was coming from. You know, I get it. And this is not, she's not the first one to say it. She's not the first one to, um, she's not the first one to say something about or make a suggestion about 
EBT and uh, government assistant funding like limitations, right? Um, because it happens. Like there's always conversation about um, child support cards. Like you know, uh, you know, a woman or a mother should only be able to purchase specific things with a child support debit card. Um, but she essentially is saying that you know there should be some type of limitations or imagine if there were restrictions on the types of things that you could purchase using your EBT card. Um, first of all, there are um, some things if they do not have a certain code, similar to when you go and use your um, FSA or an HSA card, like your flexible spending account for different healthcare products or um, qualifying healthcare purchases or um, payments at like a service provider, right? I forget what they call the system, but it's a special system that classifies the type of product or acknowledges that the type of product that you are purchasing falls under a specific category. And those categories are approved for using that type of card, right? S similar for an EBT card. Like you can't just go buy, uh, I don't even know what you, like food is food, period, right? Um, so I guess it was, what she was kind of saying was like, what if you couldn't buy like chips? And I'm thinking when she says like healthy stuff, I'm thinking automatically no processed food. So pasta is processed, right? Even milk is processed. So it's like, if there's a limit, like what would that look like and why? Because I discovered, we discovered in my family, because yes, we used to have EBT cards and all that. I still have one, a child support card, which is technically an EBT card where my child support funds um, go for my children. So I use that to pay whatever, you know, childcare, daycare, child funding, whatever. I use it. It's my business. Um, we use it for this household. We have a card, um, but it's funded by whatever uh, government agency is associated with whatever your case is. So for EBT though, like for groceries, for let's say just food stamps, right? I'm a food stamp baby. Um, I remember <laughs> when the, the, I'm just going to say the hood, where folks realize that you could use your food stamp card to buy crabs. You know, for some people, crabs is an extravagant luxury, right? For some people, crabs is, you know, you shouldn't be buying steak and crabs and shrimp and lobster because you're on government assistance. So the fuck what? Number one. And number two, seafood is healthier than a lot of the other crap. So what are the limits? What are the restrictions? And who gets there to say what those limits and restrictions are? You know, so like in this conversation, when this conversation happened or when her comments were made, the very first thing I thought about in my head was, you know, healthy. One, define healthy, you know? Uh, so should I not be able to buy crabs and seafood? Because it's considered a luxury by some if I'm using uh, an EBT card or food stamps. Like, is that a restriction? Or are you saying I shouldn't buy chips or um, Hostess or, or Twinkies, which my children like as a treat or a snack because they're processed or unhealthy? Should I not buy soda? Should I not buy juice? Where's the line drawn for healthy? So are you saying I should only buy vegan or vegetables or you know, should I not be able to buy beef or meat? Like, what, what is the line for healthy, number one? Number two, have you ever been to the hood where a lot of people are actually using those EBC cards or food stamps or being approved for them in those low-income areas? Like, there is an area um, by Addison Road in uh, PG County where they literally 
took away the one grocery store that was on the on that strip on that strip of uh, what is that? Is that County Road? Not County Road, Central Avenue. They took the Safeway guy out. Did they replace it with another grocery store? Fuck no, they did not. So all of those people either have to eat carry out. They have to go to, to do grocery shopping at the convenience store or the gas station, or they have to either catch a bus outside of their neighborhood to go to another grocery store where they can get adequate groceries, catch the bus back home. Because the, you know, the assumption a lot of people make is that people can afford the cost of a vehicle and insurance and all of that stuff. But at the same time, those same people get chastised and talked about if they ride dirty in a vehicle because they have no other choice. It's like, mind your business, make up your mind and mind your business. Like people are so worried about what other people are doing that they're not realizing that people are surviving the best way that they can fucking survive. So unless you are putting money on that EBT card for people, Miss Kiki Palmer, please shut the fuck up and take your money and go do some good with that. How about that? Let's start talking about your pockets and what you should and should not be doing. I love me some Kiki Palmer. However, I'm just, I just don't understand again why people can't just shut the fuck up. Like that has nothing, it has nothing to do with you and you're not helping. So imagine, imagine if celebrities, instead of talking shit about what should and shouldn't be in the poor communities, imagine if they took their money to the poor communities and helped to build grocery stores that had healthier options for them that did allow them to use their EBT cards. Imagine if you put a grocery store in the middle of every food desert and actually gave the option to the people that you are talking shit about right now. Imagine. Imagine that, okay? That's my spill. I know that this season, I'm just telling you, I have, I have, I have like reached my limit on, I tried the filter thing, y'all. I really did. I promise you. I try, ask anyone who's known me for more than seven years. <laughs> Actually, no, you because you could ask Puppet. He's only known me for seven years. Ask me, ask anyone who's known me for more than I'll say five years. I have been doing damn good with this filter in this mouth of mine. But I realized that God made me this way for a reason. And the more I try to fight saying what I, I want to say, the way I want to say it, and how it needs to be said, the more I find myself conflicted. Now I am working on my cursing. Because I just, my grandpa used to always tell me, you know, cursing is a sign of the un unintelligent. It's, you know, it's what they do when they don't have enough vocabulary to speak eloquently. They go to curse words. And then he would go play cards and start cursing. <laughs> but, um, yeah. But I'm just, I'm just so frustrated with a lot of things these days that it, the, the value add of not expressing my frustration the way that I feel it is not significant enough for me to take the time and struggle through trying to say it right, if that makes sense. So I'm just letting y'all know now this show is rated explicit because sometimes it might get a little, it might get a little heated. So I, for anyone that is offended, I apologize in advance, but this is your one and only warning that if you don't like cursing, if you don't like the F-bomb, if you don't like the B-bomb, who knows? I don't know. I might come on here one day and start singing Meg Thee Stallion. I, I don't know. I probably won't, but I'm just saying. Um, 
you might not want to listen to this show. And I'll try to tell you when I went a little overboard episode at the beginning, but just know that I am, I'm really struggling to keep my frustrations off the mic. However, I also think that it's healthy to share your frustrations, especially um, for people to hear that you are frustrated oftentimes about the same things that they're frustrated about, that they can relate to you because you are a real person. And if there's anything anyone will or can ever say about me is that I have always been, always will be a real person. Like that's, that's just that. So Kiki Palmer, I love you girl, but I'm going to need you to, you know, check your, check yourself. Uh, Eva Longoria, you cool, but I'm going to need you to check yourself. Um, and I'm gonna check myself. What else I want to talk about today? I think that's it. Actually, um, I think I've given you guys a, enough of my rants. I'm excited to be back. I am happy for season four of the Queen Conversations podcast. Um, what do I have coming up? So I am a very good friend of mine started his own podcast with a couple of his college friends recently, and I'm so proud of him. And he's been really consistent. And a few of my other friends have started podcasts in the last year, and they've been really consistent. And I have, once again, um, committed, again, to be consistent, you know? It is not how many times you fall. It is not how many times you fall short. It is how many times you get up and keep trying and push forward. So I'm not going to make any promises. I'm not going to say, oh, you'll get one episode a week from me. I'm not going to say the season will end at this time. I'm just going, we're going to do this when we can. I'm waiting for a new cord for my mic because I bent up the cord to my Blue Yeti. Um, but we just going to do this when I am not exhausted from working all day, when I am not uh, meeting with my clients, when I am not, um, when I do not have to cut out family time or limit quality time with the kids in order to record this. I will be here. And you will get more of me, more of the Queen Conversations podcast. Um, I think next episode, I'm trying to debate on whether I want to talk more about the Pay Black Women campaign. Um, I know I gave you guys a little snippet in this episode, but I really want to get into why I decided to do that and what that's going to look like. And if anyone wants to help, how you guys can help me, what I need help with, um, you know, call to action. I could really use some help. That's something else that I'm working on. Um, or if I want to talk about my lessons in business, because I have been an entrepreneur for over 10 years now. And, um, I see a lot of entrepreneurs who are seemingly doing financially well, but have very poor systems in place. Um, and I want to kind of share some of my lessons in business over the last 10 years with you guys. Some of the lessons in business that I've learned from my father and his business successes and mistakes to the extent of which I know them. Um, some of the successes and failures of my mother's business um, for which I had a lot of front row seat to. Um, some things that are working for friends of mine some things that I've learned to be true and damn near fact, <laughs> uh, unavoidable, 
And I really want to get into that with you guys because it seemed like also, it feels like also that during the pandemic and with the collective isolation and shutdown, that a lot more people started businesses. And I'm so happy, right? Like that is amazing that so many people started new businesses. But I really want now that it's up and running, I want people to start implementing strategy. I want them to put into place the things that they didn't put into place and focus on some of those areas that need some attention and some foundation before they get too big. Um, Because, you know, (sighs) poor business practices takes down far more businesses than anything else. Like so many businesses failed because of just poor basic business practices, processes and procedures, just like standard operating procedures. And it doesn't have to be that way. So I really, really want to get into that with you guys. But then I also, you guys keep asking me about resume stuff. Ah, you want to know about the career. You want to know how to make a career change, how to point your resume to the job that you want. And it's just, I have so many things I want to talk to you guys about. So I am going to, um, today's to, well, Monday. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to do, I'm going to pick one of these. I don't know which one yet. I have a list of stuff that you guys have been asking me. Um, a, a list of stuff that conversations I've had with very close friends of mine. And I'm just like, you know, like this could be a whole episode. Um, people need to hear some of this, even if it's just to get your own thoughts moving in these topics. Like we got to come out of this better and stronger and I just don't know where to start, but I'm going to start somewhere. Um, So look out for the next episode of the Queen Conversations podcast. Please like, subscribe, share, Um, available on Apple, on SoundCloud, on Anchor, Spotify. Um, I don't even know where else are we available. (laughs) Um, iHeartRadio, all of that. And, you know, I guess I'm just going to let you guys go. We have been chatting. I got a lot to say, y'all. I missed y'all. I hope y'all miss me too. And don't forget to join the collective at thecollective.co. Link is in in the show notes. And I will talk to you later. Bye, y'all.